Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you. I'm Eric. Get to be one of the pastors here. Just want to say welcome. Uh, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? We've been in this series practicing the way of Jesus, and our kind of home base has been Mark chapter 1. We've looked at just kind of the life of Jesus in this one chapter and how he uh, models different practices for us. And so today, I'm just going to read from Mark uh, 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are here in this place. Thank you that you hear us when we pray. You are already at work in our lives, so now we just ask that we would be have open eyes and ears and hearts to see how you're already at work. God, we just pray that um, you, everyone in here would receive the word they need to receive, that uh, these words would be from you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You can take a seat. A few months ago, I was on a plane holding hands with a woman I had never met before. So Chris and I had gone away to Mexico, our first time getting away, just the two of us in like, I don't know, 10, 15 years, something like that. And we were getting away and flying home. We didn't have seats next to each other. And that was okay because we'd been together all week. She was sitting behind me. Uh, I happened to be sitting next to a woman who seemed very, very nervous. And she was visibly very nervous and anxious. And so she turned to me and just said, hey, I'm a very, very anxious flyer. I'm very, very nervous. Uh, you know, just kind of sharing her fears. And so I shared that I'm a pastor and I'd be happy to pray with her or anything. And so we prayed before the flight took off. And then as the flight started going into the air and taking off, she grabbed my hand. And so I'm holding her hand and I start speaking truth over her and then just start praying with her on the airplane. Uh, this woman who I'd never met before, uh, our conversations was, was pretty irreligious, didn't have much of a faith background. But I had the opportunity in that moment to play with, pray with her on an airplane. In the middle of COVID, uh, I had this experience where I got to go to the hospital, even in the midst of the COVID season, because one of the couples in our church had given birth to a stillborn baby. And sitting there in the hospital with them, as they held their baby who had passed away, I had to conjure up the words to say, to bring some kind of comfort and to pray with them in that moment of such incredible heaviness. A few years ago, in the early days of our church, we had a guy who came and gave his life to Jesus, realized how he was living was not in line with, with God's plan for his life. And on grand opening, he gave his life to Jesus. And then we baptized him. And then 
early on in January, uh, one night he called me and he said, hey, pastor, I really need your help. And I was like, yeah, what do you need help with? He's like, it's time for me to break it off with my mistress. Uh, he was married, but he had someone on the side, and he needed help to tell her, hey, this is over. We can no longer have this affair. So he picked me up, and we drove to the hotel uh, uh, in town here where he would normally meet with his mistress for their, uh, what they would normally do. And as we checked into the hotel, I asked him, does she know that I'm going to be here? And he said, No. Why does she think you're meeting her? Well, to do what we normally do. Oh, this is going to be fun. And so uh, as she knocked on the door, I opened the door, and she's like, uh, hi. So we talked, and he shared with her, hey, we can no longer do this. This is sin. This is wrong. Jesus has changed my life. We can no longer continue to have this affair. And as she cried, I was able to speak words over her like, hey, you are not your sin, and God still loves you and has a plan for you. And then... In that hotel room, with those two who had just broken off their affair, able to sit and pray with them. In your life, are you ready, if God calls you to pray with a perfect stranger on an airplane, are you ready to pray with a couple who is going through the worst possible tragedy in a hospital room? Are you ready to pray with people who have just come out of horrible sin in a hotel room and to pray words of life over them. See, prayer is one of the key spiritual practices as followers of Jesus. And today we're going to be looking at some of those, some things hopefully that's going to help you maybe take your next steps in prayer. This is a spiritual practice I shared in my email that out of all of them I probably feel the most comfortable with. I've spent you know, three decades of a pretty vibrant prayer life. And something I can thank to the church I grew up in, uh, a charismatic church that just really believes strongly in the power of prayer. When I went to Bible college, I would spend every Friday in fasting and prayer during our chapel service. It was something that was just kind of instilled in me. And so today I'm hoping to just share a few things that will help you maybe take your next steps. But what I really hope is that you will get this vision that this is so important. This is a calling for every single follower of Christ. But prayer isn't just talking to God. It's also hearing from God. It's opening ourselves up to say, God, what are you speaking to me in this moment? It's a conversation with God. Seven years ago, Chris and I had this crazy dream and idea that we wanted to start a church here in the Maple Grove area for people who didn't feel comfortable and plugged in at other churches. And so we had two parent churches who said, hey, you can come in, you can uh, preach a sermon, and then you know, have like an informational meeting afterwards for people who might be interested. And so I preached at Grace Fellowship just up the road from here, and that afternoon I met this young couple who were pregnant with their very first child. And they were actually overdue with their first child. And their names were Matt and Lauren Anderson. Matt, who's up here leading worship. And so we met them and said, hey, you know what? We're having a few friends over tonight at our house just for a time of acoustic worship and prayer. And so they came. We met them that morning. They came that night. And then we put a chair on them. And Kristen was also nine months pregnant that time. And, and we just laid hands and we prayed that they'd have a safe delivery. 
Then the next morning, Matt texts me that they had a beautiful baby boy, Emmett Anderson. And so I was like, hey, can I come meet Emmett? And so I, I went over to Maple Grove Hospital, and I got to hold Emmett. I was like, wow, what a beautiful child. And he's like, man, I bet the grandparents are so excited. And he said, well, actually, you met him first before the grandparents did. So they're here. And yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Um, but we had met 24 hours earlier. But there was something in that night when we prayed that I had never seen Matt lead worship or play music. I knew he was a worship leader. And as we talked about that, we were starting the church and we needed a worship leader. God just spoke something, not in the audible voice. That's your worship leader. And I'd never heard it before. And as a musician, like, that's a big deal. I was like, I, I sure hope he can sing. And he can, so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But there was something even just early on that in that prayer time. I don't know. It felt like we'd known each other for a long, long time. And we'd only known each other for 24 hours. I used to office out of Starbucks uh, before we finally got a ministry space and office. We praise the Lord. It's so good. But I spent about four years, five years uh, officing out of Starbucks. And one time there was a young lady there who had seen me office many, many times. And she just approached me as I was working on a sermon and said, hey, can, can you pray for me? And she just shared something that was kind of going on in her life and what she was dealing with and some of her struggles. And I said, yeah, I'd love to pray for you. And there sitting in Starbucks off Elm Creek Boulevard, as I prayed for her, God just put something in my mind. And again, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just kind of a, a picture, some kind of a sense that she was going through these health issues because of sexual sin in her teenage years. And so as I finished praying, I just said, hey, I don't know if this is just me. Or this is the Holy Spirit that he's revealed sometimes through prayer. But, but here's possibly what, what, what I was sensing the Holy Spirit speak to me. Is this true? And she broke down crying saying, yeah. You know, I never connected those things. But it's possible that this sexual sin now is manifesting in my body in this way. And is causing pain and, 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 and sickness now. And so able to have a conversation and talk her through that. That was really revealed through prayer. And so prayer is talking to God. It's asking him for things, but it's also listening to him and, and seeing what is he going to reveal to you. One of the things I hope is that I can help even just kind of demystify prayer a little bit. Now, on one hand, prayer is an opportunity that we should, you know, strap on our helmets and be like, okay, we are going now into an encounter with the God and the creator of the universe. Like, we should take this seriously. We get to interact with our creator, our king, our savior, and, and take that as, like, wow, what a privilege and honor. But on the other hand, it's also not this kind of only special thing for just the most spirit-filled Christians that only they can hear from God. No, I believe every Christ follower can have communion with God through prayer and that he can put things in our minds. So one thing I just want to challenge you on even today as we get going on the message is perhaps this week, I want to encourage you just to try it maybe with a spouse or a friend. Maybe you should want, you, sometimes we can put a hand on their shoulder. You're going to pray for them. And as you pray for them, just be open to some kind of word picture, uh, some, a word maybe that God will give you for that person. And perhaps that's the Holy Spirit. And what you can say then, just in all humility, say, hey, as we were praying, God put this picture in my mind. Is this something, a word for you, or is it just me? 
Because I think it's good to have that humility to say, hey, is, is this God or is it just me? I was in a conference this spring uh, with Ethan. We went down, and, and one of the pastors, uh, his name is Pete. He's from uh, England, and he had us as pastors, about 6,000 of us in a room, do that for each other. And I got to sit next to my pastor, Pastor Ben, at Northridge Church, uh, my kind of church planting mentor, and, and get to pray for him. And as we prayed, I just got this image of a giant rock in my head. I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't know what that means. And so after, I just said, hey, Ben, I don't know if this means anything, but uh, as we prayed, I just got this picture of a giant rock. Does that mean anything to you? And he said, actually, yeah. Like, like right now, we, we have a bunch of people who've been in and out of the hospital with, with COVID, and there's just been so many ups and downs and, and things. And, and you know what? I really need Christ to be my cornerstone and my rock to stand on. And, and that was a message he needed to hear. And, and I didn't know. I just had this picture of a rock in my head. But that's where sometimes, sometimes the Holy Spirit will reveal things to us. That, that then we share that in humility. I think it's good to say, hey, you know, not, hey, thus saith the Lord, this is what I'm hearing. But to have that humility to say, hey, here's what I think uh, God might be speaking to us. So maybe this morning, as we start to talk about prayer, you're like, whoa, Eric, there's no way I could ever do that. I don't think I could even just pray for someone. Or maybe you're a pro and, 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 and you're feeling just real confident, but still, I want to encourage you, maybe there's deeper things for you today. If you're taking notes and maybe got a note sheet this morning, you can write these along. One of the reasons we give you note sheets so you can hear it, see it, write it, hopefully get it down in your hearts. But what we see is that God meets us where we are and then slowly moves us into deeper things. This is a truth I want us to embrace for this whole series of practices. There are going to be all different practices as we've talked about. Silence and solitude, uh, Sabbath keeping, we've talked about simplicity. Uh, Last week our students talked about scripture and the need for memorization and study. Today we're talking about prayer, next we're going to talk about fasting. Wherever we are on our journey of following Jesus, wherever we are in practicing the way of Jesus... The beautiful thing is that God meets us where we are and then will slowly move us into deeper things. There's always more. C.S. Lewis talks about it as, you know, onwards and upwards. That there's always greater heights to go to with Jesus in, in following the Holy Spirit. That it's always a journey, never arriving. And so today, I encourage you, I hope wherever you are on your journey of prayer, to know that God will meet you where you are. But then he's going to slowly move us along into deeper things. See, people who you know, are occasional runners, uh, I used to be a runner, I had not so much anymore, uh, but we don't just all of a sudden get up one morning and run a marathon or a half marathon, right? We have to prepare and train ourselves. You know, in whatever sport you want to try, you, you want to start you know, at the beginner level and then slowly add up those miles or, or slowly try newer, newer things. And see, if we continue to exercise the spiritual discipline of prayer, we can expect to pray a year from now with greater authority than we do now. If we start to cultivate the habit of listening to the Spirit and then sharing with those we do life with in our community groups, uh, accountability partners, that we can expect to hear from the Spirit in a clearer way a year from now more than we do right now. One thing, though, I think that discourages us often about prayer is that sometimes, in some Christian circles, I think what's taught is Christian fatalism. 
that God is sovereign, therefore everything is already preordained. And so nothing I do makes any difference. That's really not what the Bible teaches. See, Apostle Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 that we are co-laborers with God. It's more the Greek philosophy of Stoicism or modern Christian fatalism that demands a closed universe with everything already preordained. See, God has devised prayer as a means of enlisting us as participants in the work he has ordained. You can write that down. See, God has devised prayer as a means of enlisting us as participants in the work that he has ordained as part of his sovereign Lord rulership over all. See, God has the power and wisdom to use our prayers as he sees fit and to do what we can never imagine. And so the tension we live with that maybe our modern minds struggle with is these things. Number one, my good God ordains all things for my good and his glory. And number two, God invites me to pray to him and promises to respond to my prayers. Our minds fully can't comprehend that tension that he ordains all things for his glory and for my good, but he also wants to enlist us in part, as participants to bring his kingdom here. And hopefully the idea that our prayers actually can change things is a liberating idea, but also fills us with tremendous responsibility. We are working with God to determine the future. There are times God is going to choose to not respond, to not act, until his people move in prayer. So we are participants with God. Our prayers can make a difference. And that's a good thing. Well, if you're a Bible, turn with me to Luke 11. We're going to look at uh, one of my favorite passages when it comes to talking about prayer. And I love this because Jesus talks about one of our biggest frustrations is why are there times when we pray for something, we think this has to be God's will, and yet he doesn't answer it the way we think he should. And it's so frustrating. I think maybe that's the reason some of us have quit praying. Maybe you prayed hard for someone to be healed. Maybe you prayed hard for someone to, you know, a prodigal child to come back to Christ and they haven't yet. And so you've just given up praying. I get it. It's frustrating. There are things I've prayed for every day for over two years and then I just stopped. Because it's like, God, why have you not answered this prayer yet? But I love that Jesus addresses this frustration. Luke 11, chapter 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Now the first thing I want to see is that Jesus prayed in a certain place. Now, you can pray anywhere. You can pray in your car. You can pray in school. You can pray at work. That's great. But I do think we see here that what Jesus models is that there are probably certain places that Jesus went uh, for prayer more often than other places. Uh, I heard this story uh, this week about um, uh, John and Charles Wesley, uh, amazing men of God who wrote hundreds of hymns and started the Wesley, uh, the, the Methodist movement. Their mom was basically a single mom raising 10 kids, and uh, she, she uh, did all these amazing things, homeschooling the kids, caring for them, uh, but she didn't have a certain place. And so what she would do when she's caring for the kids, uh, she just put her apron over her head while she's working in the kitchen, and the kids knew, all right, mom is now in her certain place meeting with Jesus. We can't interrupt her. And, and you know, so maybe that's your thing. Uh, but you, you, it's good to have a certain place, maybe a certain chair that you go to, maybe a certain place in your house. 
Uh, there's there's a, a guy who was outside of Chicago, a business executive, and he uh, was, uh, became a follower of Jesus and talked to his pastor. And he's like, hey, pastor, you know, it's easy for you to, you know, set aside time every day for, for prayer, for scripture reading, because that's all you do. That's your job. But, you know, I, I, I have work. I, I have so much to do. I, I can't afford to spend time doing that. And his pastor just encouraged him, hey, you know, find some place in your house, or maybe it's just even 5, 10, 15 minutes a day, where you just at least sit with Jesus and just talk with him. And, and the guy said, fine. So he, he bought like this new rocking chair and, and this executive would just sit there and, and then uh, every morning uh, for like 15 minutes before he went off to work would just sit there, talk with Jesus. And what he noticed over time and what his kids and wife noticed was that over time as he just made that a habit of every morning talking to Jesus in the same place at the same time, he had more patience, he became kinder, uh, he, he was a better manager, uh, he, he was just a better person, uh, more like Jesus. And it started to change him over time to the point where eventually he felt God calling him to actually move to Denver, Colorado, and go on staff at a church that needed someone with business background as their executive pastor. So they packed everything up. He quit his job. They moved to Denver. And he served at the church for a couple of years. And then he got diagnosed with brain cancer. And still, as he went through the cancer treatments, he'd get up every morning. And he'd sit in that chair in that certain place every morning. Until he eventually passed away. And after his funeral, someone saw his wife looking at the chair and they said, what are you going to do with the chair? She said, you know, I'm going to keep it and I'm going to give it to my kids and hopefully my grandkids that they can have that picture and that model of a place where they can go and meet with Jesus. That the dad, the grandpa, had set this pattern that now was going to pass on through their kids and grandkids. There's something about having a place, whether it's your kitchen table or you know, your favorite reading chair, that you're going to go meet with Jesus. Maybe it's in your car. I think that's the first thing. Jesus modeled that. There's a certain place but then as Jesus finished, the disciples say, whoa, Jesus, <laughs> you know, we've grown up as good Jewish boys. They'd have certain prayers they'd pray, you know, three times a day, uh, you know, the, the Shema, the different things. But they're like, Jesus, when you pray, it's a little different. Can you please teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, yes, I will teach you how to pray. And so what I want us to know is Jesus is telling us you can be taught how to pray. You can learn how to pray. This isn't just something for the select few who are emotional or, you know, who are, are good at using words and speaking good. You know, it's not just for those kinds of people. But everyone can be taught how to pray. So Jesus says, yes, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Luke 11, chapter, verse 2. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. All right. Now, we just recited the Lord's Prayer together uh, in, the, in the New King James Version, and then we heard that video in the uh, Passion Version. And so you read this now, and you're like, wait a minute, Jesus. This is not the right Lord's Prayer. What is going on? Like, you've, you forgot part of this. Like, you got the, your kingdom come, but you forgot your will be done. How does Jesus misquote the Lord's Prayer, right? Well, here's the thing is I think Jesus had taught them many times on the Lord's Prayer. This is how you pray. And so what he's doing is like, all right, you've heard me give this before. 
And so now I'm just going to review things for you. It's like, you know, when you pray, here's the important things. Honor God. Give honor to his name because he is our great God. Number two, pray for God's kingdom to expand. Number three, ask God to meet your daily needs. Number four, confess your sins. And number five, ask God to lead and guide you away from temptation. Again, Jesus is saying, hey, here's the thing. You don't have to recite the Lord's Prayer exactly like the New King James Version or the ESV or the NIV, however it is. It's a guide, right? That's what Jesus is teaching us here. He's kind of highlighting again, just a review. Here's the things. Honor God. Pray for God's kingdom to expand. Ask God to meet your daily needs. Confess your sins. Ask God to lead and guide you away from temptation. That's the important thing. So I don't want us to get hung up on like memorizing specific prayers. Now, those can be helpful. Like As we recited the Lord's Prayer together, what's neat is Christians around the world have been saying that prayer for 2,000 years. How cool is that? Like the words that we recited are words that Christians have said together for 2,000 years in every country in the world. That's amazing. But I don't want to get so hung up and it has to be that exact same words. Here's the big ideas. And another way uh, you can kind of break this down is using the acronym PRAY. Uh, I'm a Gen Xer, but there are parts of me that sometimes just, I love the baby boomer acronyms, and so here we go. Uh, so this might help you. So when you think about prayer, here, here's some, first some important steps. Uh, Jesus kind of highlights as well. But number one, you want to pause. Here's the thing. Uh, there are times like you're in a car and, you know, Minnesota winters, it's, it's, it's cold outside, you might be sliding, and you got to do a quick prayer. Yeah, that's good. you got to, you know, say those prayers. But if you're heading into time of prayer, like us at 8 a.m. on, on um, Wednesday mornings, or maybe a different time, first, take some time to take stock of yourself and just pause. Sometimes we'll do this on a Sunday morning, just, hey, uh, what am I feeling right now? Do I have tension in my shoulders, in my gut? Uh, is there something physically I'm carrying? Okay, okay I, I need to relax. I need, I need to give this over to Jesus. Um, I, I like to go to the gym and work out. Uh, that's kind of my happy place. And then one of my favorite places of prayer, not my own place, is, is the sauna. Uh, and, and so what, what I like to do is I like to get in there, and then I sit. And, and what's helpful for me is the practice of just sitting with my feet flat. Um, so, so they're flat down on, on, the, on the wood there of the sauna. And I just put my hands up. And that's helpful for me, that, that physical act of putting my hands up to say, okay, God, here's the things, the tensions, the, the stresses, the worries. As I pastor, as a shepherd, I'm carrying. But you know what? I'm open-handed. I'm giving them to you now. And that helps me before I go into a time of prayer just to pause. Sometimes on Wednesday mornings, I'll do that as well. Sometimes I'm on my knees. Sometimes I just have my hands up and open. But before moving to time of prayer, it's just pausing to kind of check in with yourself, with your body, because we're body, mind, spirit, soul. And then physically, sometimes it helps. Now, for those of us who are more kinesthetic learners and, and, and we're fidgety and we have to get up and down in a sermon or take notes, sitting still with your hands up may be the worst thing possible for you. And so something that I like to do as well is take prayer walks. Uh, right by my house is, is Rice Lake. It's about a four-mile uh, trail from my house uh, around back to my house. And so that's one of my favorite places is that I walk and pray. Now, I don't pray with my eyes closed because that would be really weird. Um, but for me, that's where I love to walk and pray. So again, try different things. Uh, maybe it's sitting quietly with your hands up before you move into prayer. Maybe you need to walk. Maybe you need to pace. That's okay. But pause first. Number two, uh, re rejoice. We see this. Jesus says, hallowed be thy name. That's kind of a fancy word for saying glory to your name. 
It's good to start first by reminding yourself of God's greatness, of his glory, of his uh, attributes, attributes, you know, uh, of what makes him God, of reminding yourself that every day is a gift. You know, summertime in Minnesota, it's a gift. You know, all these things that we're going to rejoice first, then we move into our asks. And that's totally okay. Ask God for your, for your daily needs. You know, ask him for, 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 uh, to heal someone. You know, you're bringing your petitions. Like, that's good. See, Jesus, he wants a relationship with us. And so we have to ask for him to respond. You see this again and again in the Gospels. Blind Bartimaeus, he's calling out to Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want? And the blind man's like, what do you think I want? But see, Jesus doesn't want to just pass by and give us healing. Jesus cares more about a relationship than even the answer to that prayer. So he wants Bartimaeus to say, would you please heal me? There are times, yesterday we were out hiking, and, and Mariah's legs were just tired because she's little and she's only four. And so she wanted someone to carry her. And I was more than willing to carry her, but Kristen's like, no, no, Mariah, you need to ask instead of just whining and grunting, right? So, Dad, can you please carry me? Yes, I'm happy to. But see, that builds our relationship. Jesus wants that relationship with us. So he wants us to ask. Instead of just giving us what we need, he wants us to build that relationship and to ask. And then finally, we need to yield. Jesus modeled this in the garden before he went to the cross. Not my will, but yours be done. It's okay to ask. Take this cup from me, if at all possible, But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to trust you that you know what's best. So Jesus, he's kind of giving them uh, highlights and stuff. And and then he goes into this crazy story, which is just very strange. So you guys stick with me, right? So he's teaching about prayer. And then he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, you're like the disciples, right? And it's like, what does this story have to do with prayer? I thought we were talking about prayer, Jesus. And see, this is one of those parables. And so you have to say, okay, who am I in this story, and who is God? And so you look at this story, and there's another one in, in, in Matthew, or Luke 18, similar thing, where there's this widow who needs justice. She goes to the judge and asks him again and again and again. He's like, no, no, no. And he finally says, finally, not because he uh, loved God or anything. He just gives in to her. And so it's like, okay, Jesus, what are you trying to teach here? Right? Like, who am I in the parable? Who's God? Okay, well, I'm like the friend who's needing some daily bread. I'm like the widow who needs some justice. So then who's God? It's like, oh, man, he's like that friend who doesn't want to open the door. He's like the judge. Jesus, what are you saying here? You're not painting God in a good light. But the important thing is that what our persistent prayer has the potential to move the heart of God. See, God 
is honored by our persistent requests. He's not bothered by it. He doesn't mind that we ask him again and again and again for something because sometimes God is moved by our persistent, consistent prayers. He's honored by our consistent, persistent prayers. Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, tell God that he's great, that you've surrendered to his will, tell him what you need, and oh yeah, don't quit asking. And Jesus sums it up for us. He says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. See, God wants us to ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock, and don't give up. You ask me how to pray, and so here's what I'm telling you. It says, is that sometimes God will give in, and he's honored by our consistent, persistent prayers. Verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, you might be thinking too, okay, but what about those times when God didn't answer our prayers? Chris and I went through a season of three years of infertility, wanting to be parents, didn't happen. Couple miscarriages. It was painful. It was hard. Then we got blessed with four children, and it's been amazing. And, and God has used that now by bringing many couples into our church with infertility. And I remember praying with Joe and Karen as they had longed for 10 years to have a baby, and then God finally answered that prayer. And praying with Jerry and Christiana and going over there after they had a horrible miscarriage and praying for them to want to have a baby, and finally they had a baby. And praying with Sean and Shauna after they had a nine-month stillborn. And now a beautiful baby. But I also remember praying with dear couples in our church who desperately want a baby. And that hasn't been answered yet. And i got to be honest, I don't know why. I don't know why sometimes God chooses to answer our prayers and heals and gives a baby. Our daughter, Becca, she was born without breathing. She was going to be special needs. Uh, she was in the NICU for 10 days. God miraculously healed her brain. Why did he choose to heal her and he doesn't choose to heal others? I have no idea. But I do know that when we prayed for Becca, that snowballed until there were literally thousands of Christians around the world praying for her from South America to uh, Africa to Thailand. And sometimes God is moved by our prayers and he moves and he heals. Sometimes God says no and sometimes God says wait. I don't know why, but our job is to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. Because in the process of our asking and seeking and knocking, Oftentimes, God does something in us, the asker and the seeker and the knocker. Now, this isn't the only reason why God doesn't always answer our prayers. But I can guarantee you, if you keep coming to God, and you keep asking, and you keep seeking, and you keep knocking, God will begin to do something in your heart. 
Before we planted this church, uh, I decided I was done with set up and pack up because I'd already done it at that point, uh, 10 years. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, set up and pack up is really hard. And so I was in process with a church uh, uh, on the east side of town. And I've shared this story before. And I prayed so hard. God, I think this is where we're supposed to be uh, in, over in, in, in St. Paul area. And, and I prayed and wanted it so bad. And God said no. And I didn't understand it. And then God led us to plant this church here. And in the last five years, I've had two different churches uh, approach me uh, as I've led this church saying, hey, would you consider leaving Mosaic and, and coming to be our pastor? And, and we prayed about that. Maybe, God, is, is this what we're supposed to do? And somehow, I don't know how this is going to work out. And the answer was no. Uh, because honestly, in both the situations, I said, you know what, I don't feel uh, like I, I'm called to leave my flock, but if we want to merge as two churches, uh, then yes. And they said, no, we just want you, not the whole merger thing. And so we said, no. And so there are times when we're praying about things and then God reveals to us, no, this is not the right step for you. Maybe it's a promotion that would make, make you move to another state. Maybe it's a relationship with someone that you realize, no, this isn't a good person for us. But see, God will do something inside of us as we pray. Now, Joe and Karen... Jerry and Christiana, they prayed to be parents for 10 years. They kept asking and seeking and knocking and never got that no until finally God answered the prayer. We have couples in our church who are currently have been waiting six, seven years to be parents. Why is it still taking time? I don't know. But we ask, we seek, we knock, and we know. Rarely does God act on our timetable, but he is not irritated by our persistent, consistent prayers. God is honored by it. And it develops the relationship with us. But Jesus says, if you ask, you're going to hear something. If you seek, you're going to find something. If you knock, a door is going to be opened. One of the best books I read in the last couple of years uh, was uh, a book by James Clear. And he says that every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you want to be. If you want to be the kind of person with a robust prayer life, a person who consistently, persistently prays, that's not going to happen by accident. That every morning you get up and you sit in that rocking chair or whatever it might be, you're making a vote for the kind of person that you're going to be. That you are going to become a person who consistently, persistently prays. That you are becoming that person who has a robust prayer life, who is able to speak to God and allow the Spirit to speak through you. You know, make, take a notebook, uh, you know, write out your prayers. That's what I do uh, almost every single morning. I like to journal my prayers uh, in, my, in my journaling time, and then I have other times of prayer. And maybe for you, it's, it's taking a calendar, and you say, you know what, I want to grow in the spiritual discipline of prayer. So you're going you're gonna to take an X. You're going to mark off every single day on that one calendar that, hey, I spent some time in prayer. And not just for me, but for those around me. Here's my question. Are you persistent? Are you consistent in your prayers? Are you praying for anything bold? Here's the gut check that's always for me, is if God answered all my prayers in the last week, how differently would the world around me look? How differently would your church look? Your city, your state, your nation? If you would just have, you know, uh, not be so tired and a little extra money in your bank account, are those big, bold prayers? I don't think so. So I'm up here telling you, I want to grow in this as well. Because 
There are things I used to pray for every day and journal every day, day after day. After 700 times of writing that prayer, it gets hard to keep doing it. And so I'll admit, there are things I stopped praying about. But I want to get back to that. I don't want to lose hope. I want to be consistent. I want to be persistent, even in those things that seem impossible. So what prayers are you praying? At the bottom of your note sheet, I give you a little space there just to write down. What's something bold that you can pray for? Maybe someone who's far from Jesus that you've just thought, you know what? There's no way. And you're going to write their name in and you're going to pray for them every day. When I was a youth pastor in Colorado, I had a group of uh, seven boys that were uh, uh, in my small group four years. I started with them as freshmen, got to graduate them. And uh, about five of those boys got to see to come to Christ and baptize them, and it was amazing. And there's one of those boys, his name's Brad. At, the, at his freshman year, he had told me, you know, uh, I, I think the Bible's just made up. Someone in the 1800s just made up this book, and, and it's, just, it's just all lies. And after four years, he said, you know what? I believe God created me. God loves me. He died on the cross for me, but you know what? I don't want to serve him. I don't want to bow the knee to him. And so he chose to not follow Jesus. You know, and that was uh, 13 years ago. I still pray for him. Now, he may choose to never follow Jesus. But you know what? I'm not going to give up. Perhaps there's someone in your life that you're praying for and you maybe you give up hope. Keep praying. You never know. Uh, I read this week about uh, D.L. Moody, a great evangelist. And uh, when he started his ministry, he, he put a list of 100 people that he was praying to come to know Jesus and to follow him. By the end of his life, 96 out of 100 gave their lives to Christ. And then at his funeral, at his funeral, the other four did. How awesome is that? We may never know what our prayers do, but as we pray, they do something to us, and God is honored by our persistent, consistent prayers. Maybe you've been praying for someone to have a baby. Keep praying. I want to ask you to pray for something that's a little self-centered, and so just hang with me here, right? Uh, As I wrap up today, I'm going to invite the band to come up. One thing I want to ask you to pray for, uh, and we're going to talk about fasting uh, next week, and we're going to fast about this. Here's the thing. Uh, We need a permanent home as a church. Amen? And everyone on setup said amen. Uh, It's been seven years. I did the math today. I think I have set up and packed up now 800 Sundays uh, over 17 years. That's a lot, a lot of Sundays. Uh, here's the truth. Just being super honest, I was meeting with my pastor, Ben, this week, and I said, you know what? Uh, the Lord is my strength, but I just, I'm just being honest. Uh, every Sunday, 
that we set up and set up pipe and drape and all the band stuff. It's like another link being added to this chain. Uh, if you've seen like, uh, you know, uh, Marley in um, uh, Christmas Carol, and it's like I'm carrying these chains of 17 years of setup and pack up, and it's 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 getting heavy. And so uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but naturally there's no way we could ever have a permanent facility, uh, just the size of church we are and just uh, where we are. But you know what? We can pray about it, amen? And so we need as a church, we used to pray about this more often uh, in our first couple years, uh, and I think then we just stopped. Uh, we need to pray for a permanent home. I don't know what that looks like. I have no idea. Um, but I believe that God wants to grant us uh, the desires of our hearts, and we need to bring this to him and just say as a community, hey, God, we believe we can do more ministry, more things can happen with a permanent home. Now, a year ago, we had no idea God was going to bring us Pastor Ryan, which is awesome. I don't know where he is in the room. Um, and uh, so there he is. Uh, uh, you know, a year ago, we had no idea we get to have this ministry center in downtown Osseo. Our ministry center has been amazing. We actually have a space. It's not Starbucks, uh, not a home where we can do men's game nights. We can do men's Bible studies. We can do a lot of ministry there. But Sunday mornings, we're still doing this. We need a permanent home. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I was telling Matt, uh, I finally figured out, it's been five years since as a church, we've been able to meet in one location for 52 Sundays in a row. That's crazy. This is the first summer that we haven't been, had to move to Maple Grove Covenant or Maple Grove Middle or COVID or uh, had to move out of Weaver into Rice Lake because of construction. The reality is our school district uh, we live in a, in a town with old schools and a lot of money. So that means they do improvements every single year on our school buildings in the summer. So we get kicked out a lot. We get moved around. That's just the reality. I have a friend who church plants up in Blaine, 13 years in one school. They never get kicked out one single Sunday. What? Uh, there's six Sundays a year we can't meet in here because of stuff. That's just the reality. We need a home. Would you pray with me uh, about this? And honestly, I'm going to ask us as a church to fast and pray about this. Um, it seems kind of self-serving or silly, but it's not. It's not just about me being tired or our setup team. Uh, God has blessed us. We get to pay rent to the school district. Uh, that's a gift to the school district. But you know what? We need a permanent home. So would you just join me in praying for that, whatever that looks like? But write down something. Maybe it's that from Mosaic, but something else too. Someone uh, that, that you're boldly praying big prayers for. I want us to stretch and grow in our ability to pray. And when we get tired, to encourage each other to keep asking, to keep seeking, keep knocking. Can we do that? Can we be the kind of community who is encouraging each other to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking? And I believe God's going to do something in us, and God's going to do something through us. Uh, let's pray, and then we're going to go out of here singing. God, thank you so much uh, for who you are. And uh, God, we just, we just love you so much. Thank you for teaching us on prayer. And God, I just pray that each and every one of us would take that next step in growing in prayer, in um, uh, just listening to your spirit, your voice, uh, of sharing what you want to teach us, maybe with, with those uh, around us. Uh, God, that we just be, uh, just have the persistence to keep asking, to keep seeking, keep knocking. God, we pray for a permanent home for our church, um, whatever that looks like. God, in whatever timetable, but we, we believe, uh, God, that we can do more ministry uh, with, with, with a home. And so we, we say, God, give that to us in some miraculous way, uh, whatever that might look like, God. Uh, thank you for uh, being able to meet in this school and, and the blessing that it is. So give us strength as we continue to set up and pack up week after week after week. Uh, and, and God, just help us to, to listen to your spirit and your voice. In your name we pray. 
Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.